The Army's largest corps is thinking ahead to what its workforce will need in the years to come. With the Pentagon investing heavily in artificial intelligence, the thinking goes, soldiers need more than just rifle training. Federal News Network Scott Mossioni joins me with the latest here. Scott, begin with what is the Army trying to do here and with what corps? Yeah, this is the Army's 18th Airborne Corps, and this is the largest corps that the Army has. It makes up for about 35% of the soldiers within the the Army, so this is not a, a small amount of people. They've created something called Project Ridgeway, and what this will do is train and educate soldiers on data and cloud platforms, and it's really creating an AI-enabled workforce so that once these weapons come from the Defense Department, they come from the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center, all these other places. Soldiers can pick them up and use them just like you would give them an M1 back in World War II, and they know exactly how to do it. Uh, you know, they don't need any training. And hopefully they'll work better than the M16s did in the early years of that particular weapon. And this would be going to regular soldiers, even down to the infantry level, right? Exactly. This is going to, to everyone. And, and this is not a new idea when it comes to just the armed services in general. The Space Force itself is creating itself and branding itself as a digital literate were, uh, you know, military branch. So the army is now just kind of catching on to that. And they've found some really interesting ways of doing this. So one of the ways that they're going to do it is they're going to work with Coursera, which is a, uh, you know, private platform and just have these 90 credit hours that 100 people per quarter can use. Outside of that, they're having more code-savvy people go to a boot camp with uh, SOCOM, the Special Operations Command, and work with sub- subject matter experts for six months. And then there's other things. They're just working with Amazon Web Services for better cloud understanding and with Microsoft for better cloud architecture. So, uh, you know, just a, a overall uh, um, upskilling for all of these soldiers. Is one of the implications here, then, that they consider the fact that if everybody has these artificial intelligence tools and knowledge, even down to that foot soldier, so to speak, the privates, that maybe some of the great ideas for how to use it in a practical sense will be generated by the people closest to the need. Exactly. And and one of the things they have is this low-code, no-code uh, type thing. It's, it's basically just you know, apps and things like that that are easy to create. And so let's say you're a maintainer and you just want to know how many, you know, turbines are around or something like that. Well, you can figure that out and make a, a quick little app for it and, and uh, know how fast your airplanes are going or how fast it takes to, to fix them. And, you know, it's just something that makes your life easier and can be more data literate and more digitally literate, I think is, is going to help everyone is, is what they're thinking is. And what is the source of the AI tools that they'll be deploying? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, and that's what's really interesting about this as well is that we don't exactly know yet. We have the Joint Artificial Intelligence Center. We have the Defense Department working on all these different things. They're putting a lot of money into artificial intelligence, a lot of money into hypersonics, a lot of money into man-machine learning. The hope is is that if you just have enough base for for something so if you uh you know if you know basic math then you can probably go and learn algebra it's sort of the same thing in in this you know you have some basic understanding of it well it's going to be a lot easier to pick it up once you get there we're speaking with federal news network scott Massioni, and of course you were at the association of the u.s army conference earlier this week as i was and you picked up some intelligence on where dod is putting money now 
for these future weapon systems. What the Army's focusing on is what they call the, their big six, which you know are, are uh, long-range precision fires, artificial intelligence, networking. Some of the other money that they're planning on putting in is also toward their people. They've had a huge people strategy that's come out lately, and they're working through that. And part of that is an installations guide and strategy, which will bring in quality of life things on bases over the next five to 12 years. Uh, they're realizing that uh, and this is one of the things that they say, that people are their best and biggest weapon system. Well, they need to take care of their people, and they're trying to change the way that they treat people. Because in the past, what they had what they call a industrialized talent management system. They're trying to make that much more cohesive, much more personal, so that people can get to the assignments they want to go to, and they can really have the family that they want to have. Yes, I spoke with Major General Omar Jones, who is in that interview ran yesterday. He's the deputy commander of the Installations Management Command. And one of his concerns is beyond all of this artificial intelligence and army life is making sure that the housing is free of mold and rats and those kinds of problems. And I guess they've made progress there, haven't they? They have made some progress. And, you know, this is a long-term issue. And a lot of people are thinking about how it needs to be more of a short-term issue because if you have mold in your house, you don't want to be living in it. The Army has put a significant amount of resources into this. They've put money into hiring more staff, into remediating old and broken-down homes. But there still is an issue, and a very serious one, and there are still, I've talked to many soldiers' families whose children are still getting sick, who are still having a lot of allergy issues. And this is a, a continuing problem. Congress is continuing to look at it and continue to put more money in it as well, and trying to possibly hold these companies accountable for some of the contracts that they have kind of let go to waste a bit. Right. And they're also putting some effort and money into the barracks, the Army-owned housing. I was interested to learn that barracks are not like what they were in 1980s movies of the Army, but they're Almost like dormitories where there's a lot of privacy and so forth. Yeah, not exactly like Full Metal Jacket. Uh, it's it's a, a little more uh, cozy and, uh, you know, it depends where you are, too. Uh, Fort Hood, which will be getting a huge revamp eventually, is one of the ones that has not really the greatest. Um, you know, some of the other ones out there uh, have, have better situations. So, you know, it depends where you are and uh, what your situation is. And then the issue of the type of environment soldiers will be expected to fight in in the future. And I guess that maybe relates to the change in doctrine toward great powers competition. Ultimately, what did you pick up there? Exactly. Yeah, The thing about this is that the future of warfare is not going to be rifles and, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat like it had been in the past. You know, we always think about war movies and those sorts of things. But where combat is taking place is in space, in cyber, in intelligence, in also in just information, you know, creating misinformation and getting people to believe certain things and, and sowing discontent. That's where the army is trying to put its its money right now, because it's realizing that, you know, you can't keep giving people, you know, instructions on how to use a rifle when they need to use a computer. And I think that that's where this is going to be a very important initiative for the army. And we're probably going to see it grow to many different MOSs and many different corps and units as well. Yet at the same time, they continue training, for example, in cold environments because the Arctic is becoming more contested as waterways melt their way through and Russia has greater presence there. And somehow or other, China will decide it's an Arctic power and annex someplace way up north. And so you still have that physical training going on in a specialized way for certain situations they anticipate. Definitely. In fact, DOD just came out with their climate adaptation plan, which prepares them for a world that is one of extreme weather and, and like you said, uh, melting ice caps and things like that. And part of the doctrine in that is to train safely more 
in these extreme conditions as much as they possibly can because they realize that's just the new normal. Yeah, I spoke with General Michael Garrett, commander of Army Forces Command, Forcecom, and I said, what's better, cold or heat, if you had to fight in it? He said, they're just conditions. You train for whatever, and then the condition gets added, and you adapt. So anything else we need to know from AUSA? Big impression? Well, you know, one thing I would I would bring up is the IPSA. That's the talent management uh, uh, IT system that they're doing. As you know, they've put a nine-month delay on that. The IPSA, they think, is the initiatives that they're already putting out for it is not going to be delayed. Important thing to remember, so... PCS moves, uh, you know, if you want to go to a new uh, order, something like that, those are not going to be changed. However, phase four might be pushed back. We don't know yet. They still have to put the contract out for that. But, uh, you know, look forward to IPSA coming out in September 2022 now instead of December 21. And they'll pay you back if you decide to put everything in a U-Haul and move it yourself. That's right. That's something new, too. Federal News Network, Scott Massioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Be sure to check out all of his AUSA coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where what you can do to help them. Uh, I 
We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon, uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. 
and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. SMS text, 9.32 p.m. Hey, man, I'm not home yet. Grabbing a quick drink with my lady friend, LOL. But just wait for me there, dude. The spare key is under the big gray planter by the garage. Peace. When you send messages on SMS, someone else could be reading them. With end-to-end encryption, WhatsApp ensures that your personal messages are your personal messages. WhatsApp. Always message privately. It's a well-known fact that good sleep leads to a happier life. Okay, maybe that's not a fact fact, but don't you just feel amazing after a great night's sleep? Like the first night back in your own bed after traveling. It's time to demand more first night back kind of sleep. Stop tossing and turning and talk with your doctor about how you can seize the night and day. And visit SeizeTheNightAndDay.com to learn more.